Ultra. Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Corelli. Today, we continue our journey through the filmography of Judd Apatow with his polarizing and ambitious third film, It's 2009's Funny People. And we have no guest joining us to talk about getting sick, being selfish, and staying the same is no one mm-hmm we're sticking to it scott how you feeling <laughs> um about judd apatow or in general yeah, <laughs> just, yeah i feel today today right now as we're recording this no uh you know i guess you know i i've been i've been thinking a lot about um the passing of time mm-hmm. watching these movies mm-hmm. uh you know I've, I've talked at length about how these were very formative movies to like my teenage self mm-hmm. um but then also just like this happens every time we do a franchiseography season where I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm I putting the Blu-rays away. Right. And I'm doing this cool thing where I'm hiding them behind my Lord of the Rings extended editions. <laughs> yeah. So the, the stack is physically getting smaller and I'm not seeing the other one. So it's like they're going away. Oh. And so it's just like the passing of time. I'm like, wow, we're already on. I'm already going to start This Is 40. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then we'll do the bubble, and then eventually I'll be dead. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's that's my brain, like, all the time, forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know how um, much I love building schedules. So, um, yeah, that's I'm, not, true. I'm yeah. not that different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, I mean, we, we, just, we just talked at length off mic about the, the future of franchiseography. And we started getting into like 2025 and yeah. I could like feel the curvature of the earth. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, also, uh, also we were talking about like fall of 2025 and I'm just like, I'm going to be 40 by then. <laughs> oh, this is, that is 40. Yeah. That is 40. <laughs> now that's what I call 40. What I call 40. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, you know, humans were really meant to find a groove and find a routine and i i've been bothering my parents like with like sorry getting emotional for no reason i've been like um i asked my dad like really like uh don't edit this out okay. <laughs> <laughs> questions about like hey like what was it like when you got married like what was that and he was like i don't know <laughs> like <laughs> I was like, I'll be getting all like wistful, and I'm like, what's like a memory you have about like the day? Yeah. And he's like, I don't. I was nervous. I don't really. And sometimes I'm like, oh, is that healthier to like not really kind of like cling to the past like that and kind of just let it all just rush past you? I wonder if that mm. kind of keeps you grounded in a way. I don't know. Uh, I don't know because it's it it is it is an interesting thing. Because it's like, 
on the one hand, there's that. But on the other hand, there's a lot of people from your dad's generation who should have been in therapy and never have been, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean that, that gets brought up. That's kind of a lot of the undercurrent of this movie. Right. Right. Totally. I mean, sometimes it's like right out said outright. There's this part where to leap right into it, uh, where George Simmons played by Adam Sandler is in bed and Seth Rogen is like talking to him. And he says like, yeah, there's your generation can never be as funny as my generation because you're the generation whose parents got divorced. And, Mine is the generation that like stuck it out and were miserable together, and that's just inherently funnier. And, yeah, you know George refer George refers to his dad being this very cold, un unsentimental person, and how that kind of shaped him as an adult. Right, right, right. That's very true. Um, but yeah, I so I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know which is healthier. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. So. Kind of like background or like, you know, personal background. I mean, like kind of this was a big movie for me when it came out. This was being marketed as like his most personal film yet. Judd Apatow. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could argue this is kind of his blank check movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, This is like, you know, I think a $70 million budget or maybe that's it's gross. Um, This did not make as much as knocked up. This made 56 million domestic. Uh, yeah, uh, the budget was 75, the box office was 71. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was right twice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so this was like seen as like really expensive. Uh, Janusz Kaminski is the director of photography who shot like a lot of Spielberg's great films. And, uh, so like watching it, I think this might be my most rewatched Apatow movie, Scott, because this movie is littered with secret quotes. Hmm. Between my friends and I of like, of like, oh, that's where we got this from, mm-hmm. you know, like it's Weiner, Weiner or like <laughs> Cameron Diaz. Like, Fuck like that. I'm like, oh, we used to just say that to each other and we they forgot why. Um, wow. But was this on your radar at all when it came out in 09? Oh, yeah, I was I was uh, highly anticipating this. I think I might have even saw it. um I, I definitely saw it opening weekend. I may have saw it like the Friday that it opened. Um, and it's entirely possible that I like may have like went to the to like the like the Thursday night screening. Oh, wow. Um, uh, yeah, because I was I was like all in on Apatow. That was the last time. This was the last time I was all in on Apatow. Um, right. I would still go see his movies, but I wouldn't like. You know, go go out of my way. Like, if I'm busy that weekend, I'll check it out the next weekend or something like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, I definitely, I was, I was highly, highly anticipating this, um, mm-hmm. and I was really excited about it. And it was certainly not what I was expecting it to be. There are, it, it's, a, it's a weird movie because mm-hmm. so much of it feels like a Judd Apatow movie, but yeah. The Kaminsky of it all, I mean, this movie doesn't look anything like a Judd Apatow movie. There are there are parts of it, like early in the movie, where where Ira is is working at the deli um, with with that guy that he works with, the and they're like he's like trying to convince him to to come to a show. That almost mm-hmm. felt like a like a '90s like Sundance indie movie. That little yeah segment, yeah. you know, yeah. 
it, it's it's funny. Like the they, the wrestler came out this uh, right before this, like the winter of '08, and Mickey Rourke gets a job at a deli at one point, and oh yeah, in the commentary they tell this story about they were watching the wrestler in the theater, and they're like, "Fuck, he's at a, he's at a deli," and like it's indie, and like oh. ah, are people gonna think <laughs> are people gonna think ripping this off? You know, <laughs> that's that's such a funny thing to think anyone would put connect the dots on <laughs> yeah so but funny. such a but such a creative writer thing to worry about yeah no for sure absolutely um uh, i think the first time i really noticed this not looking like an apatow movie like you said is that first shot or that shot of adam sandler staring out at his balcony mm-hmm. and the camera's kind of panning out into the sun you're just like oh wow yeah yeah absolutely um yeah I, you know it's it's a long ass movie, uh, mm-hmm. made even longer by the unrated extended cut that I watched. Um, Whoa, really? Yeah, um, I did not watch the unrated extended cut. Oh yeah, I I did. I have no idea what it was what it added. It felt like the same movie to me, so it must Great. not have been. I I assume they cut <laughs> they cut the right things when they went to theatrical. Um, um, but uh, wow. You yeah, that up. Uh, it's it's funny. There's an anecdote that I learned where uh, this movie was kind of popular with other filmmakers. Uh, Ron Howard saw a preview screening of this and even filled out a card. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is a pretty Ron Howard thing to do, I think. Yeah, he's not supposed to do that. They specifically say if you work in the entertainment industry, you're not allowed to be here. <laughs> oh, I don't give a shit, Scott. I'm Ron Howard. <laughs> Who's going to stop me? <laughs> Who's going to stop me? <laughs> Puts a cigarette out on the carpet. Uh, uh, and then uh, also, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson liked the movie so much mm. that he had notes. Mm. Like, he was in, he's like, oh, there's some shit that's bugging me about it, though, of the cut that I saw. So he actually, like, came into the editing bay with Apatow last minute and... I learned that and I'm like, oh, who else is famous for like really long indulgent movies? Yeah. That are like mostly vibes. Yeah. True. Very true. Um, yeah, the unrated version was 153 minutes. This was 146. Yeah. So that's 15 minutes? No. <laughs> no, that's like uh <laughs> <laughs> it's like seven. <laughs> seven minutes, okay. <laughs> seven. Yeah. That's great. Uh, uh so at the time in 09 do you remember walking out kind of being like that wasn't for me man like I no i just one. remember just be, it wasn't that i didn't like it it was just like oh that wasn't what i was here for and right you know it was fine like i was i was like yeah right i mean sure i guess mm. whatever but it didn't it didn't <laughs> it didn't have the same hook that the the first and second his first and second movies had that 40 year old and, yeah. and knocked up had this one was a little more meandering um and we'll get to that meandering and and uh the reason why i think the movie isn't as successful as i wish it were um i think mm. that there's a version of this that is like maybe apatow's strongest comedy mm-hmm. um but it would require cutting out about an hour out of this for, for 40, <laughs> yeah. 40, 45 minutes out of this. Um, but yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's been, it's been said by many that like his best movie is like hidden somewhere in funny people. Yes, definitely. Um, um 
Definitely. You know, something I haven't really something I haven't brought up a lot this season. Uh, you know, just like you know, you always you always run out of time. But uh, Apatow's a big music nerd, mm. like big into like Pearl Jam and the Grateful. Dead. I think he's even directed a couple of music documentaries or concert films at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can watch this thing start to happen with his filmography, where his soundtracks become more refined. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Forty Year Old Virgin is mostly just like a playlist of songs. Yeah, but Knocked Up it has actually a, an album. Of original music accompanying it, original songs written by uh, Loudon Rainwhite the Third, and the instrumental versions of those songs, like is the score of the film. Oh, interesting. Uh, and Loudon actually uh, uh, cameos. He's the he's the kind of he's the doctor that says he's not going to take a vacation, and then he takes a vacation. Oh yeah, okay. And funny people is like you know you have uh, Jason Schwartzman, Coconut Records, doing the score, right, and. There was also like, you know, really curated playlists of like songs that Apatow likes. And Funny People, the movie feels a lot like a double album. Yes. It's messy, meandering. Mm-hmm. It's a little too long. It goes into weird directions. And as an Apatow nerd, I appreciate Funny People. But yeah. there's always going to be a part of me that really misses how tight and kick-ass those first two albums were. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, because I mean, again, five-act structure. You know, oh ha- great! I can't wait. Yeah, no, it happened again. So we'll we'll get there in the rundown. Um, but I am curious about how because because I, I will say this: this is mm-hmm. very uh, sure of itself, uh, and it, it, it's just it's just a, an extremely confident film. From mm-hmm. and and it's a it, it feels like that guy made those two movies and then was like, well, I don't want to be like Kevin Smith. I want to like grow up and, and make yeah. like a real movie. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that's what this feels like him trying to do. And then, you know, as we'll talk about, I think next week for, for, you know, this is 40 is a little bit of a backstep, you know, yeah. um, definitely, you know, he's, he's trying to make a sequel to a, his most successful movie, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, for sure. It's like when you hear an artist on the radio and there's like a single again and you're like, okay, they, they know what's up. They were like, yeah. okay, I need to do it. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, you know, I think when that one isn't a runaway success, it's like at that point, he's just like, well, now I'll just help other people, you know? Um, oh, dude, I have that exact same thought where like I was kind of dismissive of him last week at the end where I'm like, yeah, after, after a certain point, he kind of just becomes a comedy director. And, yeah. I think there's something really zen. It's almost like he's shedding the ego mm-hmm. by the time this is 40. He's like, I don't know if there's anything more of myself I can put on the screen. Yeah. I'm, I've gotten as, as raw and autobiographical as I can get. But now I want to focus on other people's stories. Mm-hmm. Like, what's Because this is kind of the arc of his life in these movies is, you know, man is like man-child meets woman who he who's too good for him mm-hmm. uh help protects her and helps her have baby mm-hmm. and then become family yeah. and <laughs> and if you watch Trainwreck and and King of Staten Island it's kind of like the arc that Seth Rogen goes through or Steve Carell goes through but it's in one movie instead of three right right that's true yeah yeah uh yeah, a, a bit of background information, mostly just like context. So there's this really cool, uh, there's a Warren Zavon song in this movie, Keep Me In Your Heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a part of uh, 
uh, an album that that Zivon that was released after Zivon's death in 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, and Apatow actually shared uh, uh, some personal time with Warren Zivon. Um, and he shared this anecdote of he was sitting down with lunch, to have lunch with him. And I guess this was during like Freaks and Geeks era. But uh, Apatow was getting like notes and buzzes on his phone. And Zivon's like, what, what's that? What's going on? And Apatow was like, oh, man, I just sent this script off. And I really hope the network likes it. I really hope that they like, you know, I started to take their notes. And Zivon was like, why the fuck do you care if they like your script? <laughs> and Apatow was like, well, it's the network. You know, it's Fox. Like they have to. And he was like, what does it matter? And Apatow was like, I remember the disappointment in his eyes. <laughs> of, and he was like, oh, that's an art. He's an artist. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a TV writer, but that is like, you know, he, he is so beyond caring about what like any kind of executive network thinks of his work. Um, and it almost, it sounded admirational. Like he had admiration for that mindset. And so it's kind of like, I think this movie is him really chasing that aggressively of like, I am going to make something kind of messy and weird and not as sitcom-y. Everybody loves Raymond as knocked up was, but, but I will put Ray Romano in the movie. (laughs) Well, that's funny. I didn't even plan that. Uh, (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. Great. Great. 10 out of 10 cameo. Yeah. That whole scene, 10 out of 10 cameos across the board. Yeah. That was Eminem's first time acting since 8 Mile. Wow. <sighs> I miss that so guy about... a little bit. I'll be honest. I miss that guy. Yeah. He, he, he's, what's great about him in that, mo- in, that mo- in that scene is he moves the plot forward. Mm-hmm. He has that great line of like, well, what the fuck are we celebrating? You know? I, well, you, you know, know what, though? <laughs> John Avatar is really good about that. He's really good about about cameos being meaningful and not to the plot and not just there mm-hmm. to be there, right? There's some of that, yeah. but a lot of the times it's like, yeah, the, he's he's trying. It's like it's not just there for no reason. It's 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 there to like move the wow. plot forward. Yeah, you know, because you have like Harold Ramis and Knocked Up is arguably a cameo, sure, and that's so full of heart and warmth and meaning because yeah. it's like. Now, like, oh my God, Rogan and Ramis, uh, but even, but, but even uh, uh, Steve Carell and 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 God help us, Andy Dick, they even they they not, also serve a purpose to the plot right. and to her character, you mm-hmm. know. And I, and I was thinking of uh, going through, yeah, yeah, in that moment, I'm like, Steve, help me out. Like uh, Ryan Seacrest, also great, kind of like setting the tone of her yeah. world of like stars that you think are nice, kind of being assholes. Yeah, absolutely, James Franco. James Franco and, yeah. and I'm like oh yeah and this movie is filled with like love letter cameos mm-hmm. um Scott you and I earlier this year with a friend of the show Jason went to go see Jay and Silent Bob reboot right and kind of not not dissimilar from this movie where it almost feels like you're leafing Wait. through a family album or home movie no Clerks 3 is what we saw not James. Clerks 3 yes yeah. my bad I, I got my I got my Kevin almost died <laughs> movies mixed up yes uh, I, I say that with love, uh, <laughs> but you know, like there's so many comedians in this movie and it's kind of like, uh, the, the, the cameos are so affectionate of just like, I just wanted to get this person on film, you know, briefly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right, this is kind of the closest he comes to trying to be like another kind of filmmaker. Yeah. I mean, it, it's very like, um, uh, what is, oh man, what is his, what is his name? What's the, the guy, the guy that did, um, long goodbye and 
Yeah, um, Robert Altman. Ro- yeah, it's kind of Altman-y, this movie. For sure. Very. Yeah. yeah. Long, people talking over each other, messy. Yeah. Um, I- I'm pretty yeah. sure there might be a couple of Robert Altman posters in that crazy apartment that the guys have. Yeah, pretty sure. <laughs> that that apartment was sick, right? I wasn't yeah. crazy. No, it's great. It's a great apartment. Um, it's. I don't know why that guy has roommates. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, you're like it, the pieces don't quite add up. No. As, I guess. Um, I guess it's just because he likes rubbing in his success, and he needs somebody to rub it into. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and listeners, I'm, I've been and I've been having kind of like a high fidelity relationship with this miniseries, mm. where like. Am I the way that I am because I watch Judd Apatow movies mm. or did I watch Judd Apatow movies because of who I am? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, these movies are very, they're very like, you know, right what you know, like very microscopic. Like Apatow never really leaves L.A. because that's where he lives. Right. And his characters, especially in this movie, tend to be writers and actors and comedians because that was his life. Mm-hmm. And so... I'm watching these movies and I'm like, oh my God, I kind of am these, some of these characters now. And it's just like, it's weird to like, I've been having this weird, like tale watching these. Of yeah. Like self-fulfilling. Cause like I can like the moments of like, oh, the apartment doesn't add up. Cause why would Jason Schwartzman have roommates if he just booked like blah, 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 blah. But I'm like, oh, are we only noticing that because like, we're so, <laughs> this is like literally our neck of the woods, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. He seems to be the lead on a show, though. Like it's <laughs> the the check the the check that he. By the way, Jason Schwartzman, ten out of ten. Jason Schwartzman performance. Oh yeah, this is a year before he plays Gideon Graves. Yeah, maybe his biggest asshole. Yeah, this is right under there, though. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, kinda, this might get, be a close second. Yeah. So he 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 leaves his check for twenty six grand on Seth Rogen's pillow. Yeah. And he says that, oh, yeah, I get these every week. So he's making 26 grand a week. Yeah. They just keep so, coming. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's kind of, I like the idea that, because um, the joke is like, you know, he's the one of, he and Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill, he's the one that found success. Mm-hmm. So I get the sense that maybe this is a very new, like maybe this was before the lease. Right. Or like, that, right, that's or maybe possible, like, I guess. Like kind of how, because the kind of the joke of this movie is you can just kind of, your life can change overnight by blind luck and you just are suddenly in this totally new stratosphere. Right, right. That's true. Hmm. Uh, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> um, I guess before we get into our our walkthrough, uh, yeah, I guess it's also for context. You know, the reason I got so emotional just bringing up the concept of my dad a few minutes ago is um, I actually have been having like a minor health scare since we've kind of been starting this series. Mm. Uh, Scott, I haven't had the chance to tell you about it, but <laughs> like, uh, like I went to a, a urologist for the first time Oh, uh, a couple weeks ago. And like today was the day that I kind of like was like, oh, it really is like all good. Like we're good. It's all clear. But uh-huh. like, it's just like others, like non worrying stuff. Yeah. But like I was like literally in a urologist's office staring at the window. And I was thinking about George Simmons. Wow. Because, you know, me being another thing I really relate to learning about Judd Apatow is like, we both kind of immediately go to the worst thing. Uh-huh. We're like, my life is going so well right now. Everything's perfect. So eventually I'm going to get hit by a car or uh-huh. 
have prostate cancer. Uh-huh. And so like I've been living in that space while doing research on these really formative movies of my youth while thinking about like my future and like the, and, the, and these movies are kind of where I live now, like in a geo. So it's just like, yeah, weird space. Yeah, for sure. Wow. That's wild. These, these dick and fart movies. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Uh, but we begin this movie in 1989 or 1990 um, right. with uh, real-life home video footage of Adam Sandler making crank phone calls while his roommate Judd Apatow records him and their friends Janine Garofalo and Ben Stiller laugh uncontrollably on the floor. Wow. <laughs> Uh, that's that's wild. All the home movies of Adam Sandler are like unreal in this. Yeah. Yeah. It's it really helps that like, you know, like, yeah. So these two have been roommates since uh, Sandler flew out from New York after winning like Catch a Rising Star mm-hmm. and then roomed with Apatow and then kind of came up together in the L.A. stand up scene. Right. So before the acts- Sandler, when did Sandler join SNL? Early 90s, right? Yeah, that's crazy. He just went right back to New York. Yeah. Wow, so they really couldn't have lived together that long. But that's how it goes. Yeah. It's crazy. I'm going uh, to look up when Adam Sandler joined SNL. Yeah. And so uh, the Apatow's reason for including that home video footage at the beginning was it was meant to symbolize, or say up front, this was when George was at his happiest. Was before the money, before the fame, he was just like making his friends laugh. What What? what year did he... He joined uh, he joined Saturday Night Live uh in nineteen ninety. <laughs> Whoa. So Did like they lived together for like six months maybe in like eighty nine. <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah. Cause it couldn't have been after SNL because he was a star by then. Yeah. That's crazy. But you're right, like even like the 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 video footage of uh there's the first time Sandler got recognized. But in the movie, it's George when he's like in New York and he's like, oh, my God, she fucking recognized me, dude. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So he started off as a writer on SNL in 1990. OK. And then uh, became a cast member in 91. Mm-hmm. And then and then left in 95. To go make Billy crazy. Madison. Change the world. Yeah. I think I believe he was. Fired from SNL, I believe. Yeah, there's that crazy story where like they they fired like him and Chris Farley and a bunch of people like in one fell swoop. Yeah, well, I think if I if I maybe I don't maybe I'm 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 mistakenly remembering this, but I think it's because they didn't let Lauren Michaels be producers on their movies. Oh wow! Like because uh, if you notice any SNL alum, if they make a movie, Lauren Michaels is a producer on that movie. Because he's sure. like, I started your career. You wouldn't be here without me. I'm gonna wet my yeah. beak. Stay with daddy. Yeah, he's like a he's like a mob boss, and uh, yeah. and so I think I think I, yeah, I think that's what happened. Is like you know Tommy Boy and Billy Madison. I think they made those movies. Lorne Michaels really isn't a producer on those movies. Was pissed and fired them. I'm pretty sure. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I remember. Like the fortieth, like ten years ago. Remember that big fortieth special? I think it yeah. was supposed to be like a big deal at the time that Sandler even came back. Yeah, I remember that. And now he's hosted a couple times, right? Right, at least yeah. once. He's buried. 
Yeah. He's buried the hatchet. Yeah. But um, anyway. Uh, so that it's a very clean opening that kind of sets the movie's thesis mm-hmm. up front. Because then you cut to him being in his big, huge, crazy Malibu house. But mm-hmm. he's visibly miserable yeah and i remember i remember too at the time like you know the press was saying like this movie is basically like like an adam sandler biopic almost like it's right you know it's not but it kind of is like you know all the movies that he's in or the kinds of movies that adam sandler was doing at this time you know definitely like i think people now in 2023 we're living in sort of the i guess the sandler sons where like i mean the dude just won a mark twain award he mm-hmm. is, we love him now. And we were like, he's awesome. His movies are great. But in 2009, he was making shitty comedies for the masses that critics and like comedy nerds hated. Right. And thought were hacky and lowest common denominator and like yeah. offensive. And so like, yeah, Merman and Redo, it was kind of something like, whoa, he's calling it out. He's like paying. He knows that his movies are shitty too. Right. Right, but then at the same time, it's, you know, the movie has a very uh, sort of nebulous lesson. <laughs> sure. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Like it, the, the, his character arc is weird. Um, especially compared to the very, like, sit, almost sitcom hero's journey-like endings that Andy and Ben have in 40-Year-Old Virgin and Knocked Up. Right. This kind of this almost does like the anti version of that, right? Where like he comes all the way back around to being like worse than he was, and then just a little better, just a just a just a little better, like a That's, little yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> you you think you're watching a movie where you're a character's going to go on this big journey and become a better person at the end because of this disease, but you're right, it's like no, but then he moves like a little bit, just enough yeah. to where you're like you can walk out of the theater feeling good. Yeah, right. Um so so the five act structure of this movie um mm-hmm. this this one is interesting because you basically have act 1 where we're introduced to George and Ira separately. George gets his cancer diagnosis um and then goes and does stand up and meets Ira um in the parking mm-hmm. lot. That's act 1. Uh I would say act 2 is either the end of Act One or or the start of Act Two is George asking Ira to like write jokes for him for the MySpace thing, <clears throat> and then like Act Two was like doing the MySpace thing, him becoming his assistant, their whole relationship, um, that whole thing, and then ends with him learning that he's actually not dying anymore. Yeah, and I think I think that's I think that's the end of Act Two. Act three mm. is all the George and Laura stuff. Um, basically, mm. Ira goes on the back burner. The movie has very little to do with him. And now it's all about Laura and George. And that act ends with them sleeping together. Um, her mm. making that decision to like sleep with him. Act four is like Laura Clark coming home. Laura coming, making the realization that she wants to leave Clark. Um, and uh, pulls the trigger on that, goes to the... You know, and also it's it's George like not watching the cat perf- the cat's performance and uh, all of that stuff, and then her going to the airport to tell Clark, Clark finding out about them sleeping together, going home, the fight, all of that. That's Act Four, and then Act Five, 
very very short but it it basically it's back to being about a Georgian Ira and I think yeah, that it's, they were yeah they returned to L.A. having changed right it's the ride home um it's it's getting fired and then it's uh going out like like Ira going out on stage being really good totally different mm-hmm. from the first time we saw him early in the movie and then him coming to the to the uh to the grocery store and uh meeting him and uh showing that he like wrote jokes for him um and basically yeah. being like we're like friends and colleagues now you're not my assistant mm-hmm. yeah because I- throughout the movie you know, George had been like really dismissive anytime Ira brought up like, hey, I've been working on this joke. He's like, shut up, Dom Dom. Like, no, go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that's the five act structure. And I think you can very clearly lift acts three and four out of the movie and you have a great three act movie about yeah. George and Ira. And I think that's what this movie should have been about was just about George mm-hmm. and Ira. Um, but also... I have to point this out. Um, you yep. haven't watched this show, but uh, one of the things that I, I took away watching this, I was like, oh, this is just hacks. Like, this is literally oh, the plot of hacks. Like, yeah, yeah. exactly the plot of hacks. Um, Old guard legend comedian takes in an insecure, like, you know, in, like, awkward youngin to be her writer and then kind of like school of hard knocks, kid. Like yeah. in and out. Here's the ins and outs of show business. You're gonna be you're gonna be James Taylor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um that is that is the plot of Hacks. But I think that Hacks does this better because Hacks is it's a it's a it's a larger space between the older comedian and the new, like sort of ingenue, you know, mm-hmm. fresh faced comedian. Um, yeah. And and what's interesting about their dichotomy is that she's over it, but she's so like the the older comedian is over over comedy and everything, but she's so over it, like she's literally a hack. Like she's she's just like, yeah, I just do whatever they want to hear and like whatever. You like, I don't I don't okay. really care anymore. And but it, like, who cares? Like, I get I get all this money, blah blah blah. And then the younger person is like over it because she got canceled for saying something stupid and. Now she has to take this job because no TV show will hire her as a writer. Okay. She's like over Hollywood. And then the older person is like, the hell are you over? You've barely even started. (laughs) Like, why do you have this attitude? (laughs) That's, that's cool. That's really, yeah. It's subtle. Like, yeah, the different, like she, uh, the, the newer character in hack sounds even higher up than Ira. Like, yes, Definitely. But but also would, she would yeah. she would have to be because she's a woman, unfortunately. Like you don't see a right. lot of a lot of hey, this guy reminds me of me. I be my assistant now. Like guy who yeah. you know is nobody. Um, that, and, that's uh, that's, that's abs- a very male thing. Whereas hacks is like, you know, a uh, uh, a female look at that. Where it's like, yeah, no. In order to be successful, like in order to be an a, a an assistant to like a very successful com- comedian, you also have to be very successful. Uh, and, and the only reason you're doing this is because you were canceled. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're like on the back burner and right. that's worth bringing up uh, because in real life, the, the relationship between George and Ira was the genesis of this project when Apatow was sitting down to write, he's always wanted to write a movie about stand up, mm-hmm. and the way that stand up friendships work mm-hmm. and 
how like they kind of have to learn how to trust each other. I mean, like the 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 friendship between Leo and Ira is also really fascinating. Yeah. Um, but he was like, ah, oh, the problem with like because he had his own mentors, right? Uh, Gary Shandling, um, all the, all these different stand ups that he would write for Jerry Seinfeld, mm-hmm. and he was like, well, the problem with those guys is they were all really nice to me. And they were just kind. And and so I have to come up with some like, oh, what if one of them was sick? What if this happened? Then I could use it to write about someone being sick, but not becoming a better person because of it. Like, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, But you're totally right, Scott. Like, you know, even in Apatow's biography is the concept of a male comedian looking at a younger male comedian and being like, I'm going to give that kid a break. I'm going to save his life. Right. Right. And, uh, Whereas, and yeah. yeah, and a lot of hacks is about how like that just doesn't happen for women. Like for right. for women, there's there's a whole episode where um, you find out that uh, the older comedian sabotaged this other female comedian back when they were both like coming up because she oh, was like, yeah. only one of us is going to make it. There's not going to be two famous female comedians. It's not going to happen. So like I have to ruin your career in order to like make mine. Um, right. And and then yeah. her dealing with the guilt of running into her again, mm-hmm. and her just like being a grandma and like whatever, like she never made it. Yeah. <clears throat> or yeah. like what I also or what I hear is like people, kind of like Aubrey Plaza's character of mm-hmm. like her version of like she's new to L.A. and she wants to be in comedy and she wants to do this, and like so oftentimes they're driven out because of like oh this is either something really awful happens to them. And they're like, mm-hmm. I have to leave because of like to protect myself or they get so jaded and like disgusted by like the the shit they have to go through every day. Just going to a comedy club. They're like, I'm fuck this. I'm moving to Marin County. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, the Apatow was in the heat of the bro charges when this movie came out. Like the idea that these are just bro movies about guys and like the wish fulfillment of like oh you know women are shrews guys are lovable oafs <clears throat> sure i i would <laughs> i think i think his movies are far from wish fulfillment movies but i think that too yeah <laughs> um because and i think that the key behind that and i think it's true of ira and george but then also like knocked up and 40 year old virgin is like mm. i've kind of i've been thinking about uh zach braff a lot lately mm. while watching these movies yeah uh Time of recording, uh, Zach Braff has a new movie, A Good Person, that's out in theaters. And yeah. so he's like in the press. He's giving interviews and whatnot. And uh, there was an interview where someone asked him about Garden State, a movie that you and I have covered on uh, Franchise Potential. Yes. Yes. Correct. On the <laughs> for, for what, what? Yeah, for Wes Anderson. And he was, they were like, hey, man, like Manic Pixie Dream Girl, how you feel about that now in 2023? And He's like, well, you know, I was depressed. I was in my 20s and like I I had this fantasy girl. I imagined a girl coming down and saving me and her being like really beautiful and quirky and perfect and whatnot. And so it's like, that's where I was at. Like That's what I wanted, you know? Yeah. And people are going to shit on that until I'm dead. And, <laughs> I just, <laughs> and I just have to be okay with it. And I think the difference between like a garden state and that kind of movie are, is like, the guys in Jed Apatow movies aren't like diamonds in the rough. Right. Like if only the right girl could see, I'm really like a sweet, awesome. No, they're like assholes. No. And they have to completely change. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. And, and, and they have to change in a way that they find within themselves 
usually driven by and inspired by the woman in their life, but not, but not like the woman sees the man that I, the man I really am. No, 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 no. She sees the man you really are and it sucks and she wants you to be different. (laughs) Yeah. For some reason she is like, she's like, I want you to be better. I'm in love with you. I, I want you to grow like, come on, you can do this or whatever. Or like, yeah. hey, wake up. I'm pregnant, asshole. Like, right. grow up. Like, it's more of that, I think. I think, yeah, I no, think it's sure. more like situational where it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, like the circumstances are what they are. And so now like, yeah, this needs to happen, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I think Leslie Mann really is the key to that. Yeah. And really Apatow's muse in a lot of ways. Like, um, I, I have an interview, an Esquire magazine inter- interview that I, I, I cited a lot this time. And he just kind of was like, yeah, why wouldn't, kind of like what you said, Scott, like, why wouldn't I cast Leslie in the movie? She's right. the best actress in the world. She's hilarious. She's yeah. smart. She's the best. Why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I cast my kids? They're the best, you know? Yeah. And uh, he compares the Marin County Laura parts to like in the, like in the Godfather when they go to uh, Italy. <laughs> it's oh, like, wow. That's really funny. That's really yeah. funny. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's kind of ambling. And you're like, why are they in Italy? Like, what is this? And <laughs> when this movie just ended with, <laughs> ended with, uh, with, 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 uh, with, with, uh, uh, George doing stand up while we cut to like, uh, like Ira and, and all of the other guys like getting killed, like, just like, <laughs> like slowly, like, like, like wherever they up. are, just like, <laughs> you know, cutting to like, <laughs> Like Ira at the deli, like gets like strangled by somebody, and no, it's like the RZA. Yeah. He's like been working with George the whole time. Yeah, but George is just doing stand up. Like, yeah, yeah. And then like, and then like he looks by the exit, and then he sees like the RZA or somebody like nod, and yeah. George is like, okay, it's done. Yeah, it's done. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I think Laura symbolizes. You know, Laura symbolizes the life that George fucked up. He's like right. Uh, if only I had done this, if only I had been a better person, I would be where Eric Bana is right now and all right. my problems would be solved. And I think you're right. There is a, a tighter, better, more like Boogie Nightsy version of this movie mm-hmm. that's just, you know, the Los Angeles comedy scene. Right. And he can't help but explore this other movie for like an hour. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't like hate that stuff. I just think that when the movie it has been about George and Ira's relationship mm-hmm. for an hour, and then yeah. for another hour we shift to another movie that's just about George and Laura, mm-hmm. while Ira sits on the st- uh, sits uh, sits in the background, just sort of like making the neck cutting like yeah. motion he, he in kinda, the background. He kind of he almost becomes like an NPC. Yeah. Where he's just looping the same, like, George, we got to go. We got to get out of here for like an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, no. yeah. And I, I, I miss I miss that movie. I, I miss that really tight, fun, like, movie that we were getting for a while. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, and I get it, like, from, from, you know, what they're wanting to do. Because, like, the thing about, about the Laura stuff um, that I think is interesting, like, I, I, I love that it is... It's what you said, where it, like, represents, like, the stuff that he he missed and he could have been Clark and, you know, the whole thing. Um, Mm. uh, Two banger uh, Eric Bana performances in 2009. 
Um, this that's and, true. Wow. This in Star Trek, uh, and they we both we covered them both back to back in miniseries. Hell yeah! Because um, you're right. The, the movie does drag, and the sec during this part, the second he walks into that door, the movie just gets such an energy boost. Yes, absolutely. He's so good in this. Um, but what I what I what I think is the most interesting about the George and Laura stuff is that. While it is representative of like this thing that he missed out on, I love his realization of like, oh, wait, I'm not going to just get Laura. I also get her kids and they're going to move in. So like I'm actually not getting the thing that I lost. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to get that thing that that's never going to happen. This is going to be some other thing. That I don't know that I'm interested in or or ready for, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, or yeah. There's a so, l- it's there's interesting. a lot of really interesting stuff in the Marin County scenes where you can, um, immediately the viewer can just see how ill-equipped George is. Where, like he doesn't oh. even want to do the peanut butter game, right? He and he's like checking his phone and he's like running on empty with the kids because he's like not wired for this, and you can just see it. And so this, it has, uh, you know, I'm no pun intended. It's like a train wreck. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, but, but it's, but then for her, you get why she's into, because she always wanted him, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I, I feel like Clark was a consolation prize to a certain extent. I think if anything, this is actually a movie about her falling in love with her husband. Um, someone who I don't think she loved really, um, mm-hmm. up to this point, because I think she always saw George as the, uh, you know, and George makes that joke about the one who got away. Right. And I think yeah. that that's how she yeah. felt about George to a certain extent of like, he's not the guy that I needed him to be, but now it seems like he is. And like, yes, like this is the guy right. I always wanted him to be. And now he's here, but she quickly realizes that like, Oh He's the guy that I wanted him to be 20 years ago when I years wanted ago. him to be that. Yeah, when I was 20, but now I'm I'm almost 40. And I like, need him to be something else even more. Um, and he's yeah, not that. Yeah. And now it's not enough. Yeah. Because like what's so and, and they say like they word it really cool in the commentary of like Laura's arc in this movie because you're right. She almost has a complete her own movie going yeah. on. Yeah. It's like she's not an afterthought. It's. She finds out her husband has been having an affair mm-hmm. and she like, oh, I have to, in order to reset my life, I have to blow it up. Right. And so she dives it because she also has regrets about turning in, putting up the cape as an actor. Right. And so she's like, ah, you know, she's very, you can tell she's like, I don't know. I put it up. I never really got to show my full potential. And so the one, her one that got away is like a movie star. Yeah. And she's like, fuck, like, what if, like, did I fuck up? Did I mess up? And so George symbolizes something, uh, uh, you know, the road less traveled to her, just as like what she symbolizes to George. Right. Because the idea is that they broke up prior to George, like, making it big. Right. I think so. Like, they broke up and then he made it big and she was like, oh, shit, and quit acting or whatever. And if she had just hung on. Her thought process mm-hmm. is like, even if we weren't still together, like maybe I'd at least have a career. Right. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah, if I, because, you know, going back to what you said about Ira, like, you know, 
Laura didn't have a George that came and like a, a, a or a, a yo teach mm-hmm. a lucky break that just fell into her lap. And she was like, Oh cool. I, I can stay here forever now. Like, right. The, the town was, the town was giving her the cold shoulder. So she chose herself and started a family and created a pretty nice life for herself, even though she's kind of in the middle of like, fuck, is this even real? Like, yeah, it's a, that's the same uh, house from knocked up. Right. No, I don't. It seems a lot bigger to oh, me. Oh, really? It seems like a lot. You're the, right. The house from Knocked was, Up I, is huge. Uh, I was just, yeah, no, for sure. I don't think we talked enough about how. I mean, he's. I mean, Pete's a record producer. Yeah. But like, how often Apatow's characters tend to be, you know, pretty well off. Right. Well, I mean, that's goes back to autobiographical, I guess. That definitely, but also, if you are a a successful adult in Los Angeles, you are extremely successful. Like, right, right. There, there's no like middle ground success in in Los Angeles. You're either like making uh, well into six figures, or you're like you know fifty thousand a year or something. You know, right. yeah, yeah, and and you know, uh, I wish. And yeah. I, I remember, uh, I remember, uh, like I, even from like a comedy standpoint, the fact that they, the movie does go out of their way to be like, okay, Pete's a record executive. Uh, Eric Bana seems to be some kind of international businessman. Mm-hmm. So like, it always it makes sense why these characters have are living the lives that they are. Yeah. I'm really interested to see how that goes, gets going forward into his other movies, like the socioeconomic stuff. Yeah. I mean, obviously it, it changes a lot in um, King of Staten Island, but yeah, the, the but train wreck. She is very successful. She is uh, not what the title suggests. I will say that's my, right, my, yeah. my biggest, <laughs> my biggest nit to pick about that movie is <laughs> she's not a goddamn train wreck. Yeah. Um, the normal woman with attachment issues. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> the new comedy from Jen. <laughs> oh boy um and uh also kind of like uh, uh, in addition to money kind of also like ira there's a part where ira is like you know george like i'm you're the first sick person i've ever met mm-hmm. like all my grandparents are still alive um i i i i, I, I clocked this for the first time leo's parents pay his rent yeah like these aren't dire these aren't characters on the brink of starvation you know no no but that's that's why they get to do what they're doing that's the people that get to stay out here yeah yeah which is very honest you know mm-hmm. um i i think it's honestly like i get i get the you know oh man like his his people they're always so so rich but i think he does a pretty good job of balancing those things where He's like, right, they, they are rich. That's the type of people yeah. who live in L.A. You're either right, rich yeah. or you're in poverty <laughs> um, yeah, or your parents help you. Um, yeah, it feels honest because like that really early on at Autos, like the RZA, you, they, 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 they show like RZA and Ira mm-hmm. and Ira's like, oh, it's fucking job. I want to be Jerry Seinfeld. And Otto's like, you're an idiot. Basically, his name's <laughs> not Otto. Yeah. He's like, I'm a convict, dude. This is the only place they would hire me. I have health insurance. Yeah. Like, look at my tooth. I fixed, you know, and like, yeah, this dude is a much more, you know, like even I'd look at life than Ira does currently. Yeah. Yeah. Ira doesn't have a lot of privilege in this movie, but he does have 
he does have, you know, a, a couch that he gets to sleep on rent free. Mm-hmm. That's still so. That's still a little bit of privilege. That's not yeah. something that everybody who who tries to come out to L.A. has. You no, know, for sure. And he's enti- he's very entitled. Like his privilege comes out also in different ways. Like in terms of gender, like the way they they call it out as friends of like Ira. You can't call dibs on every girl that you're attracted to, and then get all like emotional when like your really hot roommate Jason Schwartzman sleeps with one of them. Right. Right. And he kind of. Like, yeah, his the fight he has with Aubrey Plaza, it's like kind of possessive or like, right. like you were supposed to hang out. She's like, we haven't talked ever, you know. Right. Well, but also she was like, We are. But like that doesn't mean I don't get to sleep with somebody. Like Yeah, we're not, yeah. Just because I agree to go on a date with you doesn't mean that we're like suddenly exclusive. Mm-hmm. You know, she has this she, she has this maturity that he doesn't have already, even though they've both she's been in L.A. less time than he has. But she's right. like, dude, why are you being so weird about this? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, It's uh, yeah, there there's there's so much <laughs> interesting stuff in here. I think one of my favorite ongoing things in this movie, which I remember from interviews from Apatow at the time was the fact that, like, when they're all, like, riffing on jokes with each other, no one laughs. Everyone just says, that's funny. Right, yeah, because they're so, they're robots at this point. Yeah, they're like, oh, that's funny. Um, And then you could add this, and that's even funnier. But, like, no Mm -hmm. one's laughing. (laughs) It's all so (laughs) clinical. And he talked about that. He was like, that's what it's like hanging out with comics. It's like, nobody laughs at anything. Like, they just are like, oh, that's funny, or like, ah, that's not that funny, and that's yeah. it. And uh, and that's something I didn't have watching this movie today compared to back in '09. Mm-hmm. Uh, living out in LA for a few years, having friends who are stand-up comics. Mm-hmm. Scott, I fucking hate funny people. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't like them. I just if every time someone's like, oh my god, my friend Jared, he's a comic, he's hilarious. I'm always like, oh fucking here we go. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know I'm wearing a belt or, you know, like, I, I, oh, this is something I thought about with you and I. I think something that we have in common for very different reasons or <laughs> unique reasons in our lives. We don't we don't do a lot of ribbon. No. We, we don't because that's a, a key part of Apatow male camaraderie is right. like, yeah, you look like a fucking serial killer, you piece of shit. And yeah, we've never been comfortable communicating that way. No, no, that's not. No, I hate that. Um, I think it's because we've both been like for real bullied in different ways. And yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so our bodies are like, are you fucking with me? Are you? Fighting? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. You like the flight of the fight or flight, the fight or turns flight, on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh, no. Uh, oh, he's kidding. OK. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't get comfortable in that mode. Um, it's I don't like people razzing me at all. Like, uh, like I just it's not. It's not like fun. It's not, it's not, yeah. You know, when people are like, oh, you know, lighten up. Like, we're just giving you a hard time. It's like, I don't, don't do that. Why, why would you want to <laughs> give your friend a hard time? No. Like, <laughs> yeah. It, it's something I, I learned because I assumed watching this movie, I'm like, oh, these are going to be my people when I, when I move out to LA. Like, mm-hmm. comedy. I was also listening to The Nerdist like every week at this time. Yeah. And so reading about like listening to Nerd Melt and, you know, oh, and then I, I move out here and that ended up kind of not being the people that I gravitated toward. Yeah. 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 And also 
<laughs> the thing at the beginning where he's like trying to get people to come to his show. I'm like, that's, oh, yeah. that's the other part of it. That's the other aspect where, where yeah. like, you know, when you first move out, you're like, oh yeah, sure. Like I'll experience stuff. And then you just realize like, oh no, I'm becoming the guy that everyone expects to be at everything. And like, yeah. I can't, I cannot be that guy or I'll never do anything. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it's like, it, it's just like what happens with the Rizzo where it's like he, your friend's bad and you brought a date and it's like the Rizzo only goes because like Ira was going to pay for everything. Cause it's like 30, 40 bucks or whatever. By the time right. you're done, like, right. Yeah. It's a big, yeah. it's a big, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. So that, that's, that's, uh, that's definitely a thing. Um, having, having, uh, comic friends and constantly being asked to come to their shows, um, is, uh, it can be a lot sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you you start to memorize their set. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That's so sp- that's also the thing where they ask you to come once, and then like a month later, they're like, "Hey, you should come out to my show." And then you go, and it's the same set, and you're like, "Aren't why am I here?" Comic- <laughs> <laughs> I thought comics were supposed to always like every night. I'm going out, I'm trying new stuff. Right. And yeah, yeah. But, but but I yeah I don't I don't yeah I don't know I don't know oh yeah but also it's like you what oh I'm just a, I'm just an I'm meat to you right right you I, you you know I wasn't going to hear any new jokes right right you, you still like made me come and like drive all the way out to like Pasadena right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes uh, uh, yeah uh, but speaking of stand up uh, Sandler. Hill and Rogan all wrote and developed their own stand-up material and performed it live. Uh, up to six cameras at a time were filming during their stand-up sets. Yeah. They also uh, did, like, a bunch of stand-up, like, leading up to it, right? To, like... Yeah. To yeah. kind of hone their skills and, and tighten up. Yeah. I seem to remember, too, the Aziz Ansari bit of stand-up we get and the... Randy. Yeah. And the um, Sarah Silverman... Bit. I feel like there's one other one. Those are like parts of their real material, I believe. Yeah. Randy was going to be like a movie. Remember that? Really? They were like talking about developing like a spinoff because they were having so much fun. I think like they released like a fake mockumentary of him at some point. Oh, wow. Um, uh, this was pro Tom Haverford. Right. Or pre-Tom Haverford. Pre, pre, yeah. I'm sure it was pro also. He'd uh, <laughs> be, be a fan. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I, I, that's interesting. But I, I will say that, like, watching Aziz, I was like, oh, boy. That is not an energy that I'm into anymore. Like, That's how it's done, son. That's how it's yeah. done, son. The, that yeah. His whole thing of, like, repeating something over and over and mm. over and over again. I'm tweaking. While, I'm like, tweaking. I'm tweaking. I'm while, tweaking. Yeah. While, while the audience, like, he's, like, trying to get the audience to, like, start yeah, cheering okay. him. Yeah. He's still doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, he uh... was... Uh, <laughs> that character was based heavily on um, people that when Rogan came out to L.A. from Vancouver, he was like, yeah, there's always that one dude who's like, that's not funny. Like... You're not funny, but your energy and it's like, oh, he's just trying to get on like mad TV or something. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I, I will say I wish I wish there was more of the stand up stuff in this movie because I want I wanted more of that world. Yeah, um, I, I think that there's not a it's not a coincidence that Paul Thomas Anderson loved this movie so much of like 
Yeah. That settled a lot of his movies. They're like, man, like every character that could be the star of their own movie. Yeah. And I'm actually really so surprised rich. for for as much of a comedy fan as Paul Thomas Anderson is. I mean, he's married to Maya Rudolph for for God's sake, the lucky man, yeah. lucky son Talk of a bitch. Muses. Um, <laughs> Uh, he, uh, uh, I, I'm shocked that he has not done a stand-up comedy movie. Right. Yeah. Like a 70s stand-up movie. Yeah. Or even like, I could totally see him just doing a modern one. Like Scott, I would, I would, I would pay an extra month's rent for a Paul Thomas Anderson movie set in the modern day again. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. So yeah. when dudes get old, they kind of are like, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Tarantino. Yeah. Tarantino just going to do another movie set in the seventies. Um, but I totally agree with you. I do want to visit an alternate universe where like they don't go to Marin County and it's just three hours of crazy comedy shenanigans. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's, cause I think there's a lot of interesting stuff. Cause I love the arc of Ira becoming a better stand-up like you watch him become a better stand-up which is really impressive subtle acting from seth rogan i think yeah no i i agree i think it it helps so uh, notes on ira mm-hmm. uh ira is uh, inspired by judd apatow mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of like his personality you don't say, you don't say. <laughs> uh like the orange juice apparently is a big Apatow thing in real life because he drinks a lot of orange juice. Oh. Um, and like Yamus Kaminsky gave Rogan a note early on of like, hey, man, um, you kind of scrunch up your face when you're like, you know, emotional or thinking. You kind of furrow your brow. What if you went wide? What if you went that? And like that's Ira basically. Oh. And once I heard that, you can see it in the movie is he's just kind of more wide-eyed and more naive than Rogan's characters normally are. Yeah, interesting. Um but yeah, like he like you like he I uh, Sandler gives him this note at the end where he's like, "Oh yeah, you're finally starting to act like the dude I know in real life on stage." Right. Yes. That confidence, the the you know, him building that confidence, I think is really good. <laughs> um but yeah, like I love the story of the comedian or the the famous person who's who's dying and reconnects with an ex and goes through the whole finds out that he's not dying and then you know blows up this woman's life and and but also like kind of heals it in the process i think there's a really interesting movie there and then i think yeah. the the george and ira stand up never leaving la or going on the road together right movie yeah. i think is a really cool movie also, but I think the two don't really complement each other mm-hmm. in the way that like we were just talking how Ira just is sits on the uh, sidelines for like an hour of the movie. Yeah. 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 No. And, and you want to talk about confidence, like it, it almost, cause you know, I think people kind of dismiss autobiographical, uh, autobiographical films of like, Oh, well it was just your story or like you are, you already are that or whatever. And the deafness in which Apatow is able to communicate kind of complex ideas. And like, so the choreography of like, um, there's a moment where they go to the, the MySpace event, right? Yeah. And MySpace, I, <laughs> MySpace. Yeah. Right. I was yeah. like, wow, this was a real company at one point. Um, <laughs> yeah, they had like events like, yeah. and like paid him like $350,000 to be there. <laughs> and Ira or George 
wrote George paid Ira to write jokes for him for this event. Mm-hmm. And they had some really good jokes. And then he was like, Hey, open for me. Cause I'm not going to follow James Taylor. So you're going to open for me and eat shit on purpose so that I look better. Right. And that's what I'm paying you to do. And Ira doesn't get that yet. And he doesn't know how to eat shit because he's, he's green. He wants to do good. He wants to get the most amount of laughs. Right. So he steals quote, the material that he he wrote for George and does great. And George is like, you fucked me now. And so then what George has to go up and do is just do really gross base. Like, ah, my cock, you know, blah, 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 blah. But he still crushes because he's George Simmons. But right. like, you can tell the material is not sharp because he's kind of riffing. And I'm like, oh my God, all of this is being communicated to me very clearly. <laughs> yes, it's really good. <laughs> all of that stuff is really good. Also really uh, interesting is the the concept of writing jokes and what that means, which is that yeah. like you're writing a basic joke structure, setup, punchline. That's it. That's what you're giving them. Then he is taking that setup and punchline and riffing it in his own words, and it becomes his joke. Um, and right. it's yeah. the 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 partnership of that, where it's it's not he's not just like reading the jokes. He mm-hmm. is taking the concept and you know messing with it on stage um, and making it as yeah you can yeah, kind of see. Own. An audience member can be like, oh, I can see what George is doing with Ira's joke. Yeah. Or what makes George George and Ira Ira. Yeah. And, you know, Randy Randy. Right, right. Um, and it's because he's so familiar. This is the world he lived in for like the first like 20 something years of his life. And so he, he, it feels lived in in the way that anytime a filmmaker kind of goes back to their roots or tells their story, it, it, it has that, oh, this feels authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all of the stuff, uh, like I, 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 I really love Ira's energy. Of I'm like, oh, this is. I think the thing about about Ira that George really likes is the fact that Ira completely eats shit, and is like, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll be, I'll be back tomorrow. You know, um, right? And yeah. that is a very like, oh, this guy is gonna make it one day. Like yeah. mentality because he's putting in the work. He's not he's not just going out on stage like once a week. He's going mm-hmm. as many times as possible because it's not about bombing for it. The bombing doesn't matter. Like the bombing mm-hmm. is just like learning and tweaking and changing and whatever. And he's got he's got the comic brain. The, the 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 one that like allows him to crash and burn on stage and not take it personally. Yeah, and just go out and do it. And yeah. he, even, he even says that like really early on outside the comedy club where George, he's so he has no one to talk about his sickness with. He has no one to vent to. So he just goes on stage and just vomits darkness. Right. right. <laughs> and then, you know, Ira has to call out, call it out and make jokes about it. And it's like almost kind of like samurai. Like George respects it. Of like, yeah. I know I would have done the same thing, but he says like, yeah, you and you and your friend, like double XL version of you, like you're going to be okay. Like you're going to, because he's like, oh yeah, I know these, I know these kids whole lives. That's right. going to happen. Right. They're, they're going to be. And, uh, I love, he's, I, I also love him driving away and just be like, I'm going to kill you, Ira. You're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, 
I love the bit he's... too where where he asked mm. him to kill him. Yeah, kill me, Ira. Yeah, that was oh man, that's so good. I love that. I just love that entire scene. That was so good. Yeah. It's because he you he says it early on, like he doesn't have anyone besides right. Ira, Shmira. Right. And so he's just unloading all of the playfulness and the friendship energy that he doesn't have anymore because all of his friends he's you know, and he's just giving it to Ira. Yeah. And sometimes it means bullying him or making him uncomfortable, but it's just because He's like, oh, Shmira will just take it. Yeah, yeah. It it is interesting because it's like, you know, they say, you know, they say it's lonely at the top. Um, <laughs> For sure, yeah. Uh, I I, but what's interesting is the way that this movie presents that concept, which is that mm-hmm. like, it's lonely in so much as like he doesn't have anyone to like share his emotional shit with. Um, yeah, it's like he can like you know, get girls and like he can go to like parties and see people he came up with that were his friends back in the day. And he probably still considers friends, but also being that rich means that you're really busy all the time. That's one mm-hmm. thing about this. Like, I, you know, I, I think that the scripts, the piles of scripts oh, are the yeah. sort of like sweeping this under the rug aspect of mm-hmm. this which is like how does he have all of this free time right now um and i think it's literally just because like oh well he obviously hasn't chosen his next project whatever yeah that is he's getting the he's getting the text messages about the redo sequel yeah yeah but he's not like pulling the trigger on anything so that's why he's like kind of in a stasis yeah you know because right there's now? like this, this pile of scripts that are either to read or like no right and that made a big impact on me as a as a teenager because I was like, oh, like that that idea of being that bored. It was almost scary of like having all that stuff to do, but none of it interests you or excites you at all. Right, right. Um. So so yeah. So I like that, but like the idea, like when he goes to that party or whatever it was. What is what is it? They're at a restaurant or a bar. Um. The M and M. Oh yeah. So so it's like he's he's he finds out that he's not sick anymore. Right. And so he invites a bunch of his friends for like a big party and it's like Norm McDonald's, Sarah okay, Silverman. So, so he puts the party together. Okay. Um or like, you know, or maybe even just calling a bunch, hey, we're going to this bar tonight. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So so yeah, so like he gets a bunch of friends together, but like they're all busy. They're all famous and, and busy people. And so yeah. you know, he probably sees them maybe a couple times a year tops. They're not like hanging out, going to brunch on Sundays or like whatever, because they're 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 so successful that they're all busy and alone, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that's also that's also why Sandler loves making movies with his friends because absolutely it's lonely at the top. And I think for a certain time, you know, he was doing like Mr. Deeds and like that stuff. And then I think he did Grown Ups, and then he never looked back because he was like, "That was the that was the most fun I've ever had making a movie because it was just me and all of my friends every day hanging out, going someplace, doing a thing." And then every movie after that is that. And I and no, I think for sure. it, and I think it's because he was like, "I don't ever want to look back at that that other period where like I was like." Yeah, I get to be in a movie where I make out with 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 uh I don't know, Kate Blanchett or whoever the fuck. Or the fuck <laughs> yeah. You know, but like 
I'm not going to hang out with Kate Blanchett after that. You know, like we're 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 actors and we're in a project together and then it ends and then, you know, I never see her again. Um, it's it's not going to be the same kind of thing as like hanging out with my friends every day. So I, I just think that that's interesting that it's like it's like what if Adam Sandler never made Grown Ups? This is who he would be, you know? No, for sure. Or like, what if he didn't have that? I, you know, I actually watched some clips of Sandler's Mark Twain Award ceremony, mm-hmm. um, and it was basically, you know, like David Spade, Chris Rock, Ben Stiller, all these people like coming up and like giving speeches to the guy. And one thing that I can't remember who said it, but it was like, if you go through this guy's friends list of friends, they are all writers, they are all producers, they are all directors. They're all comedians because he just like, you know, jokingly, like we just sucked at his teat. <laughs> like, why do you think they're all here tonight? Because they're not working because he's not working. <laughs> and you're right. I think like, you know, from uh, everything's kind of a facade. People have their public personas. But you you kind of look at Sandler as one of the more well-adjusted people in show business. Mm-hmm. And he seems like someone who keeps his friends close and has his stable of people that he collaborates with, but that also like stays in touch with. And, right. And I mean, very similar stuff can be said about Apatow. Right. Very much so. Very much so. Like those two guys, I think like uh, this Esquire story that I got a lot out of, it was written by that's Star Trek three, my bad. (laughs) Uh, But I found, I found this Esquire story. Uh, It was written. It was by uh, Stephen Marsh in May of 09. And he was like, Funny People is pretty clean, like a, a midlife crisis movie mm-hmm. or like a middle aged movie. But it's made by a guy who's saying like all the money and all the success and all the fame doesn't matter. What matters is like, do my wife and kids know that I love them? Do my friends know how happy they make me mm-hmm. and how much they've made me laugh? And it's like. The values in this movie like are kind of really apparent, and George is kind of like seen as almost like this Ebenezer Scrooge kind of character. Yeah, yeah. This um, is who we could have been if we were different, if we didn't. Right, you know. right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, there, there's a lot of like really interesting stuff in this. You know, um, mm-hmm. I think that the movie that it amounts to is just not as tight. Uh, you know, and, and it, it does, yeah. it very much feels like two movies, um, mashed together where if it was going to be a movie about George, then I feel like Seth Rogen shouldn't be Ira and they should have just gotten like, you know, a supporting character to play Ira. Um, um and then Bo and Burnham then it, pops up in this. Yeah, there you go. Bo, Bur- Bo Burnham would have been a great Ira. Um, and I think I think that's you know that's if you wanted to like tighten that up and make this about George and make this George's mm-hmm. movie that would have been a good way to go about it. I think making it Adam Sandler and Seth Rogen, you know, it becomes a two hander, and then the two hander disappears for an hour, and then comes back to being a yeah. two hander at the end. You know, uh, and I think that's the problem. I think that's where it becomes messy. Is that like you know you have to swap Seth Rogen with Leslie Mann for like an hour in the mm-hmm. middle of this movie? Yeah, and you're that almost kind of reminds me of of uh, There Will Be Blood with 
like at the time, Paul Dano was just kind of like the kid from Little Miss Sunshine. Mm. And so that movie is kind of a two-hander between Daniel and, and, and Paul Dano. But you never you, you're aware that like this is a this is a Daniel Day Lewis movie, you know? Right. So you're like, okay, it, it kind of you would be okay with like, yeah, like a more supporting character bleeding into the background for periods of time. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so if you don't mind, Scott, much yeah. like the movie, uh, I would kind of like to wrap this up with an extended sojourn into Marin County. Okay. And I just want to talk about a few of the stuff that does work. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Leslie Mann, terrific. Yeah. She really, I'm obsessed with the moment where she's like driving to the airport and she's kind of having, she's trying to stop a panic attack by singing memory. Yeah. And it's so like, I get stressed and it's so heartbreaking because like she's about to blow up her whole life. And yeah, like that's when you're like, oh, she doesn't want to do this. I don't want this to happen. Yeah. 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 It's so good. I, I am obsessed with the, with the, uh, the scene where she tries on her old jeans. Oh yeah. And And like, it's just so, it's so cute. And like, oh, I see why they like each other so much. You know, like the chemistry is, is like overflowing in that scene. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, you get the history, the, the joy, but also like, oh, we get to be sexy again. Mm -hmm. Like we're not, we get to kind of pretend that we're, we're, we get to be those people, but like, oh, look, the jeans still fit. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but like what you said about uh, Sandler, all of the home movie demo stuff you get of '90s Leslie Mann is great. Oh yeah, yeah. With the added, with the added, like uh, uh, the added, like element of knowing that like Apatow took all those pictures, you know. Oh, sure. I I was talking about like her Coke commercial. And... Oh, that stuff. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, but the the pictures too. You the brain does something. It has some where you know. Oh, that's a real photograph. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's a real intimate moment captured on film. Yeah. This is this this is Apatow doing the same thing that he tried to do in Knocked Up and realized it was a bad idea with the ch- real childbirth thing. Right. Except this time he was like, I'm going to do this for real and this is not a bad idea. This is a good idea. <laughs> real I'm going to use real photos of like the time we all went to Cancun or yeah. like you know, a real a real Kodak commercial that Leslie Mann did. Yeah, um, and then she was in that that a real indie movie, that a real indie like Sundance movie she was in. Yeah, with yeah. the mom from The Conjuring. Yeah. <laughs> oh and- yeah, that is who that is. I, <laughs> yeah. I I I I I always think of her as Nell from uh, The Haunting, the nineteen ninety nine Haunting. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. That's great. Lily Taylor. That's her Lily name. Taylor. That's right. Yes. <laughs> and you know. Second movie in a row where both Maude Apatow and Iris Apatow fucking crush it. They crush it. They don't have as much to do in this one. There, there's. It's mm. really funny though. There's this scene, the scene where they're um, after Clark comes back and they're like fighting out on the lawn, right? And it's nighttime. Yeah. And I was just imagining. I was like, I bet this is Apatow's real house. Like that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. um, and so like, there's a bit where they. They like poke their head out and they're like, what's going yeah. on? They're like, go back to Why bed. And I was yeah. like, I bet they shot that first. And then they legitimately went to bed like <laughs> no, and yeah. then they shot like the uh, rest of the fight scene on the lawn all night. <laughs> uh, this one anecdote I learned is that they both became so comfortable on camera. The the daughters that they would get into real fights. And like 
not be self-conscious about that they were being filmed and so they would just like launch into a real fight wow um and like they're i think comfort's a good because like iris apatow gets that really crazy riff where she sings the song about like marriage love love and like she just feels like comfortable. You can almost see her like laughing. It's a lot like Maude Apatow's riff about like the baby falling into the toilet. Yeah. Where like their kid brains are seeing all this stuff and they're like, I want to try that too. I think I'm going to, I'm going to do a lineorama. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, that, then, uh, do you yeah. know, is the, is, is Maude singing memories? Is that a real like school rehearsal? Like, uh, yes. Recital. That is a, a real recital. Um, in the commentary, he, he he compares it to. He's like, oh yeah, it's like this is Maud app. This is Maud's uh, Adam Sandler prank phone call. Yeah, <laughs> where I've that was the beginning of his career, and I kind of see this as the beginning of her career. Like wow. before she becomes a big star, and it's just crazy because you're like, that's such like a dad thing to say, but. Now here we are, fifteen, you know, something years later, and Maude Apatow is like in Euphoria. She's doing Little Shop of Horrors. Right, right. God, I would kill to see that. Um, yeah, and <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and like uh, the the dude that wrote the Esquire story tells a story about like being in the editing bay while he's editing the the Maude Apatow recital, and he was like this weird Cineverte moment of like Maude Apatow, the person had to run out of the editing bay just like. Mabel, the character, runs out of the room when the cat. Because oh, she's so embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, because she's so like, oh, the fuck, and, you know, embarrassed. And the author had this moment where he was like, "Am I? Should I be watching this? I feel weird. Like, I'm watching a dad edit home videos of his daughters at a recital, and then he looks over at Avatar, and he is just like moon eyed. Like, Aww. she's she's the best. She's so talented. Like, isn't it great?" <laughs> And so I think, I, you know, like the nepotism stuff becomes like more of a more of a, a conversation as the years go on. But I think it's really coming from like a a pure artistic place. If he just he loved these are the women, these are the girls in his life. This is his family. And he like wants to put everything he loves in this movie. Yeah. 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 It's it. I mean, yeah, it's 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 really nice. Um, You know, it's it's really nice. Yeah. I I. I, yeah, I mean, I think I just wish it was, right. I guess I, I wish <laughs> yeah. he'd made two movies. I just wish he had well, made like, two movies. The stuff that we were talking about, how confident and assured he is in capturing like the minutia of stand-up culture. Yeah. You can kind of feel that comfort drain away when they get into Marin County. Mm-hmm. It gets kind well, of because, formless. Because the Marin County stuff is... A movie about Adam Sandler, whereas the comedy stuff is a movie about Judd Apatow. Like, yes, Leslie Mann and his kids are in the Marine County stuff, but that is not based on his life. Like, he didn't Mm. cheat on Leslie Mann and made her think that she needed to blow up her marriage, you know? Um, he wasn't right. uh, like a like a you know a, a a guy who was almost dying and you know blew up someone's right. marriage. Like none of that is based on anything. It's more of just like an interesting like Adam Sandler mm-hmm. character Dr- piece. dramedy character yeah. dramedy, which on itself is good. But yeah, he's gonna lose the confidence in that because it's not 
anything that he's familiar with, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Or like Ira is such a a clean, like Judd proxy. Right. And like, you can tell just the lens is like, I, this stupid kid, I, I, I used to be him and I'm going to, I know the story. Yeah. Uh, Jacob Knight, a critic that I, I follow over on, on Letterboxd wrote like everything good about this, everything good about the Marin County stuff. He does better and not, and this is 40. Mm-hmm. And that'll be interesting. Cause I think Pete and Debbie are, I think that relationship is much more of like a proxy. I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the I, I really just think that that's the problem with this movie is that it is two movies in one and mm-hmm. he needed to either pick one or do both, but do them as two movies instead of one movie. Yeah. And it's a bummer because like I almost I, I hope he in 10 years, you know, decides to make his like I want him to make another stand up movie mm-hmm. and I'm worried that he won't now because he's like, well, I got that out of my system. Right, right. Um, well, he could always produce Paul Thomas Anderson's stand-up movie. Um, Boom! There we go. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I John I, Bryan. I well, I mean, we'll see when we when we talk mm-hmm. about it next week. But I I really hope I don't want him to do this is fifty because that's stupid. But I would like him to revisit the knocked up characters again. universe. Yeah, that universe again. I would I would love. Oh that. yeah, yeah. I, I I've been thinking ever since we saw Knocked Up how cool it would be to see like Ben and Allison, the like, parents to a teenager. Right. Yeah. Cause like Seth, Seth Rogen being a dad to like a, a 15, 16 year old girl. Like what's that like? Right. Yeah. Is he like still smoking weed? Does he switch to edibles? Is what's his job now? Yeah. Is Allison yeah. like an executive at E? Yeah. I think that's really interesting. I want to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we know he's never going to have kids in real life, so let's, right. let's see what it's... Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, or I don't know if I would ever... It would be interesting to see, like, what a George Simmons... Like, what, what if he chose to return to this world, you know? Right. That's true, too. Well, you know, I was thinking about that because I was, like, you know, I was thinking about the Thanksgiving scene. Yeah. And, I think it might be my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's, yeah, it's one of the best ones for sure. Um, but you know, he was like, he's up there, like George is up there giving his speech, his toast, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, you know, like I'm old and I look at you guys and you guys have your whole life ahead of you and you're like, you're so young and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I was like, Adam, like this, this worked then. But now hmm. Seth Rogen is the age Adam Sandler was when he was doing this. And Adam Sandler's even older, like 15 years older now. Yeah. It was like, yeah and, and now it's just like, yeah, like what does the next generation, what is like up and coming comedy look like now currently? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be so cool to see. Yeah. Like, like 40 year old Ira. Yeah. Who has now, like, who knows? Maybe he's a stand-up. Maybe he's an f- accomplished filmmaker, director. Yeah. And he now he's mentoring. Or maybe he's like, oh, man, I, I maybe he could be asking the questions that we're asking about. Like, oh, my God, am I privileged? Did I benefit from being white? Like, what does this mean? Stand-up's changing, you know? Yeah. Pe- some people are being so, like, like the, the, the Will Smith slap. 
yeah. of it all. Wokeism, yeah. that bullshit. Like, because, yeah, it feels like comedy has like, changed. Like, it, it's become so much more loaded now than it did in 09. Yeah. Sandler man. was 42 at the time. I would, I oh, would also, man, see, I would love a sequel to funny. It'll never happen. Cause this movie made no money. Um, <laughs> yeah. But if you made a f- sequel to funny people, maybe he could do it himself, make it for super cheap and make it like a Sundance kind of movie that level. Oh yeah. I think mm-hmm. you could do that. But like you make a sequel to funny people and it's about how, Seth Rogen, how how Ira is now more successful than George ever was because he's like a writer producer like Seth Rogen is currently. And it's about Mm -hmm. the fissure of of the relationship of like Seth Rogen, where Seth Rogen outgrew Judd Apatow and moved on and spread his wings. And now Judd Apatow is watching him and just being like, holy shit, you're more successful than I ever was. Right. And like that's. That's one thing for like well-adjusted adult Judd Apatow to experience, right? But what about George Simmons? Right. I just I that's a movie. That is a movie. Oh man, yeah. That's that's oh. a real, and I think that's a really interesting movie too. Because then you get like George, you get Adam Sandler just being like, yeah, and like yeah, you so you're making like a Power Rangers movie. Like what? Why? What the fuck? <laughs> Why? Last time you did stand up? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> The fuck is, why are you do why are you producing an Amazon show about superheroes? Yeah, that's so that's great. I love that. Like how many shows do you do a year? He's like a lot. I don't have any kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, yeah, like did George ever get married? Is he still single? Yeah. Like even if you didn't do that as a funny people uh two, you know? Mm-hmm. Um I think I would love to see Judd Apatow like deal with that. In some way, yeah. like in a movie, because um, I think there's probably some really interesting stuff there, even if it's not yeah. George and Ira and it's like, you know, two different proxy characters. I think that right. there's something really interesting there. Like, I think he has a point, Apatow, because he hasn't he has yet to make another really autobiographical personal film. Right. Um, at least on the upfront, like maybe we'll find stuff in Trainwreck and, and King of Staten Island. Yeah. Or the bubble. Yeah. But I I think uh, there are different avenues of his life. Like, yeah, maybe the 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 father husband stuff. But like, yeah, there's I think enough time has passed and I'm interested to see him go back to this style again. Yeah, for sure. Um, Man. So. Uh, yeah. Is there anything else we want to hit in funny people before we wrap it up? Um, Oh, this was Aubrey Plaza's first film. Pre mystery team, um, I think so. I think wow. they're like uh, same summer though. I think they oh, both okay. came out mystery in the summer of nine. Also, two thousand nine. I believe so. Yeah, it is. It is. I, yeah. Um, I know my two thousands comedy. Yeah. Oh, it came out a month later, August twenty eighth. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's really crazy. Kind of going back to like, she's been able to really like transcend. Like, this is such a girlfriend role. Mm-hmm. And now she's like Aubrey fucking Plaza. You know, she's yeah. Emily the criminal. Right. And so sure. <laughs> she kind of was like, I, nope, I'm not doing this. I'm going to make my own thing. You yeah. know? Yeah. But like, that's a hell of a, of a, like a, a three hits at bat of like, it's like, 
I'm I, my first movie is a Judd Apatow movie. My second movie, listen, you've never heard of them now, but eventually, oh, right, yeah. you know, Mystery Team. You're like it's it's you know it's it's Donald Glover, like one of our biggest yeah. stars, and then Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Boom, legend. And then Parks and Rec, like I think happened April right 8th. after that. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. What's her story? She, I mean, she was probably just kind of like. This movie where she was just doing stand-up or improv and someone was like, who the hell is that? Let's cast her. Yeah, I don't know. Um, That's so interesting. Well, no, she was at NBC Page. That's right. Uh, Oh, yeah. Improv and sketch comedy at UCB. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ira's wearing a UCB shirt at some point. Yeah. That's what she's been doing. Um, She did some Funny or Die. And uh, there you go. You know, I think... I, I love I love Adam Sandler's Thanksgiving speech, and I think I really took it to heart when I mm-hmm. first saw this movie in 09. He says, like, you know, take it from me. Like, the top isn't what you think it is. Like, the, the best times in your life is actually right now when you're, like, with your friends and you're struggling. Right. And I've really, that's really kind of become something I think about in terms of, like, my career or just life. Sure. Because I was such a driven, like, oh, I gotta go, I gotta do stuff. And then... I go back to this moment sometimes when I'm like, no, maybe the best moments are like right now when like you're just with your friends and the people you care about. And I think it's almost, it's definitely painted my relation, like my relationship with podcasting with you and dueling genre. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like one day, like, you know, we probably won't be doing this anymore. Um, yeah, you know, we'll we're not going to have, we're not going to have time for it. We're going to be, we're going to be right. doing, making stuff and doing other things and yeah. Babies. Always, always, I'll always remember the 20 years that I was a podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe podcasting is like our stand up where it's something that we'll, we'll never really let go of, you know? Yeah, maybe. That's true. Um, yeah. I still, I I do, I will say, I still miss, uh, Kumail and, and, uh, Emily's, uh, podcasts, uh, that they used to do. Oh, right. Um, I miss checking in with them, but you know, that's the thing is like, they're too busy now, so they can't, they can't do it anymore. But how research heavy was indoor kids or was it just them like talking? No, it was just them talking about video games. No, that's bullshit. They can still do that. (laughs) I, well, but that's the thing. Are they playing as many video games? I don't know. That's right. Yeah. That's the thing. He's in the gym now, man. Yeah. Yeah. Every, his, his, his game is, is, is weights. (laughs) <laughs> you never Cardio. know kingo might kingo might get called up again yeah you never know or maybe he just likes being being that way i think he just likes choice. it yeah i think he just likes it i think it's i think it's released a lot of his anxiety you know that's an, i mean that's that's valid because uh something that was weirdly a point of topic or a topic of conversation when this movie came out was seth rogan's significant weight loss mm-hmm. oh right well, yes for the Green Hornet. Right. Which there's a poster in his room. Oh, wow. There's a Green Green, green Hornet and Kato oh. poster. Uh, that's another like nitpicky real life thing is like these. That's a lot of that's a lot of money down the drain just from framing all of those goddamn posters. Yeah. True. Very true. Um, um, was but, Green but, Hornet but, but Rogan, uh Green Hornet came out in 2011. Oh, okay. So it was after this. Okay. Yeah. Yes. But he already but lo- he lost like 20 pounds. I mean, they keep talking about that. 
which yep. when you're at the sh- when you're at the level of shape that Seth Rogen is at, 20 pounds is like like really noticeable, you know? Right. And you yeah. and I mean invisible when you put him even like 2 years after knocked up, he kind of looked like a new person yeah. and he never really he kind of kept this shape mm-hmm. for and you know, I, I guess just like I'm, I'm just speaking as a guy with his own body image issues that he's been dealing with his whole life, uh, much like Jonah Hill and Seth Rogen, I'm sure it's like kind of a weird like, like oh, it's interesting how like you kind of find this groove and you kind of stick with it, but then sometimes you don't, and sometimes you fluctuate and go back and forth. And I, I hope they're both at more peace with themselves than they were back in in '09. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, gen- genuinely wasn't planning on ending it with that note, uh, <laughs> but uh, sometimes that's that's what happens. Yeah. Um, Do you have any closing thoughts? I I mean, no. I I think I've said my piece. You know, I I, yeah. I wish it was two. I think it's two different movies that are that For are sure. just like kind of hot glued together, um, <laughs> in a way that doesn't doesn't quite feel natural, um, yeah. especially this is the other aspect of it is like Kaminsky is a great cinematographer naturally. Mm -hmm. Right. But he was made to shoot the version of this movie. That's just George and Ira. When you go out to, to, uh, to, to Leslie Mann's place, it starts to feel a lot more like a regular Judd Apatow movie. Right. Yeah, where I'm like, you're you're almost where you just feel like Kaminsky being wasted, where I'm like, it's that... just like, you know, back and forth interior over yeah. the shoulder. Yeah, where you're just like that movie should be a separate movie and should not be shot by Kaminsky, because obviously the thing that he's juiced by is the stand up comedy stuff. The nightclubs, the lights, yeah. the audience, the smoke. Yeah. He's obviously very juiced by that. And mm-hmm. um, I wish we had that movie. Uh, and then sure. I wish that the other movie was also made, but, you know, was was something else. I, I honestly mm-hmm. think I think the Adam Sandler, Seth Rogen, George and Ira movie stand up shot by Kaminsky. Amazing. Then I think the other movie should have been like, Marin I don't know. I, I, you know, like he's like really good friends with, with Jerry Seinfeld. I think Jerry Seinfeld would have been a really interesting person to have George? in that, in that role, like as the George role yeah. in the Leslie Mann movie. That's yeah. Him being like, oh, what am I doing in Marin County? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I that, don't know. <laughs> I'm just surprised he hasn't made he... a movie with, with Jerry Seinfeld. Um, yeah. He's got to be like, have zero interest. I think. Yeah. That's got to be what it is where he's like, why? I never need to work again. I was in I'm Seinfeld. Rich. Ever heard of it? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. kind of. He'd be yeah, that kind of that figure of like, no, I just I never wanted to do movies. I just wanted to do stand up forever. Yeah, but I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm beast mode at it. Yeah. Uh, next week, yeah. this is forty. So excited. super super excited to get back to Pete and Deb. I'm so pumped to be. To, I just I want to see them again. Like, and I'm excited yeah. to see them next week. But God damn it, I don't want it to be the last time. I want to see them one more time. Um, yeah, give us this is fifty. Yeah, I, say. <laughs> I don't want this is fifty because then it's like why don't you? <laughs> because then <laughs> it's they have like to keep going. Yeah, well, no, no, no. Because then it's like Clerks. Um, oh, okay, I see. Which which I don't love, but also it's knocked up 
this is 40, this is 50. Because then it, now, now it feels disconnected. So I want it to be like a third different thing. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Of like Pete and Debbie in a new place. Or yeah. Like, or... Or, like, maybe it's, like, focusing on uh, Maude Apatow's character now that she's, like, in college or out of college. Oh, yeah, that's true. And, like, and they could do it. Uh, uh, I just looked up This Is 40, uh, $35 million made 88 Not great, but, like, mm-hmm. profitable. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, do it. I think I think you should do it. <laughs> do it. Do it. Do it. Do. Would that have been a better title than Knocked Up? Do it. Do it. <laughs> yeah actually yes <laughs> yes because it's a double it's a double meaning i guess yeah right <laughs> like like you get know, your shit together doing, and get, also get your shit together do it and also do it <laughs> also yeah. doing it also, I know, but also she says just do it with the condom just, oh that's right yeah that's right yeah do it is a way better title do it yeah do it do it <laughs> Well, uh, uh, this episode had its ups and its downs, <laughs> and uh, thank you for for listening and joining us on this this crazy this crazy trip to Marin County that we're all taking. Yeah, um, we'll be back next week with uh, this is forty. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.